This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. I am so pleased and uh, grateful to have Sally Labonte with me. And you know, as we talk, we're going to introduce you know, a lot of things she does, wonderful things she does that she doesn't talk about. And I'm teasing her quite a bit already. So how this conversation is going to proceed. Hello, Sally. Hello, Mensima. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? It's nice Uh, to see you. It's good to see you. We haven't seen each other for a while now. And especially with COVID, it's been impossible. Yes, I know. But it's nice. It's nice. We should have been doing Zoom the whole time, you know? Well, yeah, it's easy. So from now on, we don't have any excuse. Exactly. So you want to share, I remember the very first time I met you at Nancy's store, the Sixth Sense in Avon. Do you want to share a thought or feeling? Yes. So as a matter of fact, I do. I remember before even that first time I came in, I had received an email from Nancy store about your women's group and meditation groups. And I I remember sitting there thinking, looking at your picture and going, I really want to, I really want to be a part of this group. I really want to do this. And then as life has it, it, it went beyond me. Time went by and I forgot. And then I got another email in regards to the group. And I said, I really need to look into this group. And I think one of the issues for me at the time was a a date that I maybe was going to have a conflict with because Mm -hmm. there were, I think, seven dates or I don't remember how. And then I think I called Nancy and she was like, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this because your picture, and it was just speaking to me. It was calling me. It was speaking to me. So I joined the group and I remember that first night, it was like, I was so flustered and I, I got there. I think I was like rushing out of my house and my husband and kids and dogs and chaos. And I, I like walked into the meditation group and I was like, like I'm here, like I made it. And it was really important and life-changing for me because I've tried many times before that to meditate. And mm-hmm. I used to say, I, I just, I can't meditate. Like I don't have the brain for it. I can't meditate. And your group really is what started me on meditation and really understanding and feeling it. So it's been a gift. Thank you. I remember us having the blessing of using, using Nancy's store. And all the energies that was in there, you know, like the crystals and the natural stones. And I think it really lifted up all the energy of the group. And so every week uh, when we met, it got even more powerful, right? And it it almost felt like we had all the angelic presence and experiences as we talked about all the different topics that came up during the session. It, it was wonderful and it has been wonderful. I think the group has bonded well together over time and we even continued at Cindy's house. Yes. For several more weeks, right? right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was, it's an amazing experience, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I'll go through all the changes you've gone through but I want us to focus a little bit on the past year or two and okay. what we've been through with COVID, 
right? And COVID is, and as a realtor, I'm sure that impacted your work and also as an entrepreneur, uh, that impacted your work some. You want to share some experiences you have? Yeah, I, so right before COVID, I was getting into the real estate business, but I was also still working at my church at the time in Farmington, Mm -hmm. but I had relocated to Rhode Island. So I was doing a lot of back and forth commuting and my job in Farmington was kind of a a heart job. I want to say like it, it was a job. It really was a job. I was working and, and really working hard, but it came from the heart. And so I didn't mind so much having to commute a couple times a week, but then also I was working on learning the real estate business. And I think I was in the office for with, I'm on the Chad Chris's team here in Newport, Rhode Island and with HomeSmart. And I, I was in the office with Chad for maybe a month and a half, and then we had to go home. So you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, Chad is a great support and mentor and really brought me through. It was a great time for real estate, but it was also an unusual time for me to learn the business mm-hmm. that way. But I did, I learned it and I had a successes and I had failures and I, I really have enjoyed, I've had some amazing clients, which has really been wonderful. Well, with successes and failures, I think we all have our fair share of them, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't, and it is what helps us grow in life. And I know you love uh, historic homes. I do. Do you know how that interest started? I have been, since a young age, a fan of history. So I, I've always loved history, did very well in history, and I... Growing up, would listen to my grandfather's stories about the old country and coming from the old country. And so there was this feeling of romance to it. And I remember uh, traveling to England in high school, my junior year in high school, and just seeing the architecture and the old buildings and experiencing that obviously being from new england we consider we we feel like we're old for our country right right? in new england we have a lot of old old homes but then when you travel yes you go to europe and other parts of the country and you see really like history before Mm -hmm. us and i just find it fascinating so i i'm not really sure where it came from but just the love of history and I've been to Paris and I went to the Louvre and everybody goes there for the artwork. And I was basically looking at the building and the architecture. And I was, my head was up in the clouds because I couldn't believe the building itself as a museum and that it was the palace. So it's just something I've always been drawn to. I live in Newport, Rhode Island, and I go in the mansions all the time. And it's like going in the first time for me. I'm just, I love it. I, I just love what people have done with architecture and it fascinates me. And, and I think, you know, for me, that is what makes me love Italy so much because it's not only the people are nice. Uh, they were very nice to me when I lived there. Incredibly nice, actually. And on top of that, you had so many 
gifts of traveling from one place to other to see these wonderful buildings and architecture and really experience how people thought back then. You get into the minds of how people thought back then and how they saw nature and everything around them and built to fit those times. It's, it's just wonderful. So. And Italy's fascinating because it's city built upon city, built upon city, built mm-hmm. upon city. And when you go in some of the, you can travel down, you could be in one building, but you travel down in the depths of the earth right. and you go in into where it was the Roman empire, you know, because it was mm-hmm. built upon, built upon. And the water is still running. Yes. Through the, it's amazing. It's and amazing that, you know, people had the mind to really uh, put a structure like that up. It's wonderful. Right. Now, one other thing you do well is being a family therapist. And you had your own practice before you gave it up. And we'll talk about why you gave it up and everything. But if you were to give a sense of, why it's important for people to seek help, you know, in some shape or form, what would you say? I know that there's still a stigma for some people around mental health. And you would think today in 2022, with everything that we know and all the information that we have on social media, because I, I see a lot of different posts on this mental health issue and that mental health issue, you wouldn't think we have it, but it is very hard for people, individuals to come and ask for help. Yes. They're struggling and to even sometimes admit that they're struggling. Sometimes by, by the time they can say, I'm struggling, it's really, they're really in a bad way. Uh, Because they've been just trying to survive and go on or, or they've been used to doing that for years. So I wish people, I wish it was a, like when you go to the doctor's office for the flu, I wish it was much more normalized than what it is. Mm -hmm. I think people that have gone and found a therapist and have been treated understand the importance of it and that there is nothing wrong with it, but life is hard and it's hard to get through it alone. We're not really Mm -hmm. alone but sometimes we feel alone. Yes. And then also you can't always depend on the people around you, your family or your friends to help you through certain situations that life may bring, because number one, they they don't have the training for it. And number two, you know, everybody has their own judgments or agendas and you, you really want someone that can bring you through an experience without judgment, with compassion, with empathy, and with know-how. And that's why I think that working with with someone is extremely important. Well, you you also need- I believe everybody should see a therapist at some point in their life. Yeah, I I agree with you. I do. And however informally that is, I still have someone that I can reach out to and talk about something or another and also gain a different perspective on what is going on, right? Because when you are enclosed in a space, sometimes it's very difficult to see what is outside in in your blind spot and somebody else can shed light 
on that so that you can free yourself from whatever is holding you because you might not know that it is that one thing that is holding you back, right? Yeah, and and sometimes there might be something like an imbalance or there might be something that we don't know that a, a trained professional can help us find the resources that we need and that can set things straight for us. So there's, there's all different reasons to go to a therapist, but it, it, it really is to help us and to guide us through the difficulties that we have. Now, the thought comes up for me in the sense that often women have a whole list of responsibilities, right? We have so many things to take care of. We have our spouses, then the kids, then you may be working and parents and relatives and all sorts of things and come up. And we almost always, or sometimes, put other people first, other people's needs first before ours. Almost always. Almost always. We put other people first, and then by the time we find the space to even look at our issues, we're beyond exhausted. And or we allocate resources to everyone first, else first, and then I just lost my hearing. But it's all right. <laughs> you know, it's from laughing so hard. Uh, <laughs> we allocate resources to other people first, and so by the time we figure out that we fit into that same relevance we think we don't have enough to really do what we need to do for ourselves but i want us to shift that responsibility a little bit and put ourselves first in in some periods of time to really take care of our needs as well any thoughts on that yeah that's a big i mean yes that's a big thing for people to learn so, and I do think it's about learning it. I don't think it's just naturally that, that we can do that. And when you have a family and you have bills coming in and you owe money and, and let's face it, mental health is ex- getting treatment is expensive. So it's not always covered by insurance. Yes. Um, it's a very big commitment for a person to make. So it's hard when you're looking at all the stuff on the table and you're like, well, I I just can't do this right now. I just can't, I have this, this, and this, but we forget that if we're not okay Mm -hmm. and we're not taking care of us, then we can't take care of all those wonderful individuals that are depending on us. And we have to prioritize where our finances are going and maybe sacrifice something somewhere but mental health should be. And again, I don't think it's completely taught mm-hmm. still to us that right. it should be one of the priorities. And maybe that's also because of the way it's how handled with insurance. If it was more of a regular medical solution that we would use for different symptoms and it was covered by insurance, maybe we wouldn't look at it as an extra or I can't right now. But it's a it's a big one to conquer. I think we should conquer it. I think we can conquer it. I think it's gotten better, but Which we, I, yeah. But there's still more that we there's can. There's still do. more. Yeah, right? and there's and again, it's, there's a lot more we can do. And then again, it's understanding our worth and that yes, we are worth taking care of us too. Yes, 
I agree on that. I I would put myself in the category of being selfish because I tend to think that my well-being is important not only for myself and my space and how I occupy it, but also in order for me to have meaningful, authentic relationships with others. So I would take care of myself as I never, I mean, and as you said, this doesn't come naturally for most of us. Sometimes it takes certain lessons that pushes us to the space. But if you haven't had those experiences that push you, it's still important to look and reflect on what has happened in your life and what changes we can all make to make things even better for us. Yeah, I don't think it's, I mean, obviously having the marriage and family therapy background and you have your therapy background Obviously, if something was going on with my family and my kids were little, I would say, I think you should talk to some, you know, you need to go talk to somebody, you need to work on this. But I don't think that happens enough. In, like, I just don't think it's taught yet. And it happens enough in families. So we obviously come from that background. But if you just take normal everyday people that aren't even doing it for themselves, it's hard to teach it to our children, too. Well, and, and it's also thinking about why it is not taught because we put labels on so many things and this comes up a lot in most of my conversations that there's a stigma attached to these things and therefore people question why should I do this and why should I or how would I look if people knew that I did this right now if if you aren't running for president I think that shouldn't matter about what other people think and if you're running for president yes this is something you could talk about that could help a lot of other people. So we should take this seriously, especially with the pressures that we are going on in society right now. It's pretty, can be frustrating sometimes. Yes. And our young people are really suffering just with mm-hmm. that. If you look at the statistics with anxiety and, and what social media is doing, yes, addiction, it's our young people are suffering. They, they need help. They really yeah, do. They do. And so I will sound out to all listeners that if they have, at least talk to your pastor, talk to your spiritual leaders, talk to someone who might guide you some way, because there are resources within the system and all around us in different forms, right? Because it's not only in this country, but all over the world. There are resources available in some shape or form that we could all take advantage of to enhance our wellness. Yes, and treatment can be out of the box too. It doesn't have to be just going and laying on a couch and what people think therapy is, go and you lay on a couch for an hour and it can be different. It can be the women's group. Yes. It can be a support group and like a meditation group. It can be going to like an AA meeting. there's, There's so many ways to do it. It can be working with animals Doing artwork, also art therapy. There's so many more ways to do it where people can feel like they're they're working on that stuff, but they're also connecting with another part of themselves, and it doesn't have to feel like the stigma. And and it's not that expensive. It can. There are resources that would accommodate any level of income. So that's the suggestion we're making. Now, one other interesting thing about you is you're very good at raising money uh, (laughs) for many different causes. And 
as you do it, you know, you're very quiet about it. And, you know, I admire you a lot for doing that because sometimes people get carried away with all the things they're doing out there. But, you know, I've known you for a while and you hardly talk about this. You want to share some thoughts, especially on your recent ones with the Catholic diocese. Yeah, or anyone, I, anyone you choose well, to talk about. I Well, when it comes to fundraising, I will say I've, I've been involved with a lot of different organizations through the years. I got into fundraising when my kids were little. And I was very passionate about fundraising because I, I really do believe in many different causes that we have. And I think fundraising is important. What you said really resonates with me because part of my also issue with fundraising and being on so many different committees is what is our true purpose of fundraising? So, and should that really matter as long as we're raising the money? I I don't know. But being on some committees, I found that I couldn't always be on them because uh, there were ulterior motives for fundraising. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about the organization and whether it's someone's ego or need to be recognized or I'm not sitting in judgment of anyone. It's just what I, I am quiet about what I do because I really feel like I work for the, for the people. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's most important to me. So sometimes a big fundraiser is fantastic and you, you can make a lot of money, but sometimes there's small fundraisers that you can do that are, are just as important too. And I think people forget about that and focusing on all kinds of fundraising is important. The, the recent one with the Catholic church that was close to my heart, cause it was my parish and they, they were in dire need of a new building for the church, which is very unheard of today. You don't really hear about, unless you're down in Florida or where the culture is different with going to church, you don't really hear in new England about people building churches. Churches, right adding to buildings, it's with, you know, they're closing churches. So it was kind of a, it, it was a great experience. I worked with Monsignor and the parishioners and the other staff of the church and the building is just about done. I had to leave the church before it was really going and completed, but they raised quite a bit of money and with just really the parishioners, which was amazing, especially today. And it's going to help so many people in the town. There's going to be classrooms and just a whole community. The great thing about the church where people knew way back when church, any church, I don't, whatever your religion is, temple, church, history of it, it was a community. It's where people met, where they came together. Sports were done at church. Dances were done at social outings. It was a wonderful place to connect. And make friends and meet other people of like-minded interests. Yeah. And we've kind of lost that today. Like it's, it's there, but it's really not. And so this church is trying to bring that back and have that community. The ministries that they do they'll be able to have more fundraising and more ministries for the people in the community because of the space that they have. You want to be able to help so many people in the community. You do sometimes need space for that. So for me, ministry is really important. I love ministry work. 
and again, that's on a smaller level, right? Like if, if you look at big fundraising and then you look at ministry work, but I love ministry work for me. That's the hands-on work. It's, it's meeting the people. That people at where they are. Exactly. And, you know, it's yeah. interesting and the folk it's focused in such a way that you really feel the impact. Not only of helping, but there's gratification in doing that type of work. I mean, we obviously need people to write checks. We need those people. That's That's very important. But we also need people to do the hands-on work and to meet people face-to-face. So that, that is very nice. I applaud you for that. Now, you also have sex trafficking, domestic violence. Can I go down the list? I mean, quite a few of them, but I think your most recent one is the sex trafficking. Yes, yes. The human trafficking and sex trafficking. Yeah, that that came to me when I was at the church. Obviously, the the Catholic Church and, and other churches are very involved with different organizations. The Underground Railroad is, is I mean, the Underground is one of them. They mm-hmm. do amazing work through the archdiocese and around the country. And uh, Wreaths for a Reason is another organization where they make wreaths and their proceeds go to victims of human trafficking. And then Amira is who I worked closely with. They were opening their first safe house in Connecticut. They have one in Massachusetts. They were opening in Connecticut. And we took on, as our parish, we took on one of the rooms and doing a room for them. But they house women that are victims of sex trafficking. And they basically, they change their lives. They, they rehabilitate them. They help them get jobs. They care for them. They, they get them the, the help they need, the mental health that they need, and also the medical health that they need. And then they help them with skills and finding jobs. And it's really life-changing. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And I think all our listeners can also be aware of these, this resource out there and that they can just make a phone call and find out how they can connect. And if they know others who might be and have found that unfortunate experience, because for the life of me, I do not understand why in 2022 we have all these issues still in our midst. You know, like by now we should be understanding the pain we cause, uh, caused by some few people to humanity. And it's it's stressful for me to see uh, that that is... I feel like it's taken it's taken a while for people to to even see it or mm-hmm. understand it. And I think that even today, I would say the majority of the people don't even realize it's in their town. So they might say, oh, yes, that happens in the city. somewhere else. Right. That, <laughs> that happens in a different country. Yes. That's not happening in my town. And the fact is, it is. In your town. Happen in your town. And the importance of keeping your eyes open, if something doesn't seem right, it's probably not. It's not right. It's probably not right. And you're probably afraid to say anything because you don't want to be wrong. But that's, you know, what the hotline is for. You, you can call the hotline and say, I don't know if I'm seeing something or not, but this is what I want to report. And then they leave it up to them. You don't have to worry about whether it's 
actually right. something or not, but yeah. it is happening more. And it is modern day slavery. What is happening? It's people are in human trafficking mm-hmm. and in sexual trafficking, they're being forced to, to perform, whether it's their job, you know, human trafficking, it's not, yes. it's jobs. Mm-hmm. So whether it's being, and it's happening all over the world. Yes, it's not only, you know, an isolated thing. And they're not, they're working and they're not being paid for their their work. They're living in poor conditions. So things that we don't think about, Mensimo, like where we're, who we're buying our coffee from and Mm -hmm. who we're buying our chocolate from. Those are things people do every day. If they're not fair trade, you Well, I I know I think about chocolate because a lot of people love chocolate, but they don't even know where it starts. Um, It starts, right. If it's not fair trade, it could be coming from, it could be human trafficking. They don't even know the countries that grow the cocoa. And I must say, you know, Ghana is a leading producer of cocoa. And we have plantations of them. Yeah, and that's why you want to buy their fair trade chocolate. Exactly. Versus, I don't want to mention some, (laughs) we don't know where your food source comes from. It's a basic thing. Because all these things are impacting, we, we demand, we have the demand for chocolate, but we don't know the process of where it begins to how it gets into the store. And, the, and I'm not beating up chocolate for any reason. You know, it could be diamonds, it could be so many other things, gold, et cetera, that we humans want so much in our homes, right? but we don't know the processes involved in getting it into our hands. And so if we are mindful of what is happening to other human beings on this planet, we should at least take a moment to research. Is this company's reputation and their social responsibilities are prime and foremost in their minds whilst they are using that product, right? You know, in order to really bring fairness in the world. And if you don't know how to look, it's it's all out there. You can find it's out it. There. But if you just look for that little fair trade mark on a product, mm-hmm. then you know that you're buying from the right right place. Because, yes. Because they are taking care of their workers all over the world. And yes, we're talking. It's, it's about simple, it. really. It's really simple. It's very simple. So, and with all these discussions that you we're having, I would say that you are a global citizen. Because of your awareness, and I, all of us should take interest in. There's so many things we can do to help one another, and to inspire each other, and to uplift each other. And so, whatever field it is, we can all become global citizens in in our efforts that way. Right. And if you feel like you can't you can't make an impact because you 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 can't do a big thing, just changing like where your chocolate comes from actually is an impact or changing where your coffee comes from yes yes it's just one step right one one step step. yeah one step and then it might take you to the next step step. and it it gives you the awareness of what you're doing too now as you're talking about ministry and i know your spiritual practice is very important to you you want to share a thought or two on that i i feel very blessed and fortunate that i do have a spiritual practice and I have a faithful practice. And for me, I'm going to say I have quite a relationship with God because for me, that's what it is. You know, everybody else can say something else, but I feel very blessed and very fortunate to have that in my life. It's 
it's, it's a huge part of who I am. I think I've always had that in my life in ways not as maybe strong now, but, but it's always been there with me. I maybe didn't know what the voice was or what the experience was, but understanding came as I grew. But I don't know how people go through things without <laughs> having a spiritual practice or a faith. And again, I'm not judging them. It's just, I know for me, it's what gets me through life. And I would wish that for everybody could experience what I'm talking about. I'm on the same wavelength as you, because without that, I don't think I could manage some of the challenges I've faced. And with that, I have the strength to just face tomorrow, right? I can get through today. And by tomorrow I have some, and I live by faith because, you know, I can tell you all the things that are happening out there and I, things don't add up. And I know so in some magical way, something comes into my life to really change course and make things better for me. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Now you are a mother of three girls. I am. And I know you left uh, your career at some point as a family therapist to take care of them. What lessons did you learn? And I grateful that I know all of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love being a mother and I love being a mother to my three girls. I, I will definitely say that first and foremost, it has been just really a wonderful experience. I they're all very different and I adore them all. And I did, I spent, I spent a lot of time with my daughters and even when they were at school, I was volunteering at their school. So I was with them quite a bit. What, what, I don't think I would do it different, even though I say sometimes I would do it different. I, I don't know, it, except for that, you know, I, I sometimes think about what would I tell my own daughter? So they've gone to school, they've gotten their master's, they have a career. Would I give them the same advice? Would I say, you should, you know, stay home and raise your kids if you want. I mean, I chose, I chose that, but as a woman, I think my advice would be, and I do believe this to be true because I was doing so much volunteer work mm -hmm. that I, I was working 30 to 40 hours a week, just not getting paid. Right. Yeah. So I, I think my advice would be if your calling is to be at home with your kids and you are fortunate enough to do it because some people are not fortunate enough to do it, please, by all means, do it. But also as a woman, don't give up something, keep something, keep something of yours, keep something with your foot in the door because getting back in the door after a long period of time is difficult. I, I can imagine. Because it's almost like you're starting from scratch and it's, uh, there's a huge gap from where things were and where things are now. And you can't fill it up quickly enough. You right? can't. And things change very quickly too. Yeah. So now. See, now things change very quickly. So even just learning how to do things and understanding what's out there. And I just, I, and I also think it's important for women to stay connected in the world so whatever that is, and I, I'm not judging any, you know, some women want to be at work full time and have children and some women want to be home and, and with their children and some women want to be able to do, somehow, half, you know, half and half. And right. it, it really has to be what, what you truly want and what you're able to do because they're, they're big decisions. 
So, but what I think is most important, no matter what we decide, I mean, you could be at work and hate your job, right? What I think is most important as women is that we have something that's ours and it belongs to us and that it fulfills us and that we don't lose it when we're out doing this and that and this and that. So, so it's always there for us to have. There's something unique to us, right? And, and to nurture that uniqueness. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's an important way to frame it. Yeah. Now, how do we create our stories? Because I, I think almost in a lifetime, we forget who we are in the scheme of things. As we're planning all the things going on for others, we forget ourselves. And that if we are enchanted with our own stories, and I, I say this thinking, all right, we experience life and we get from one thing to the other in all the relationships that we have. And yes, sometimes we want to hold back some things that we've experienced that are painful. But I think that it is in healing that and sharing that, that also helps somebody down the road. That's one reason why we're doing this conversation or the conversations that I've had with other women is to share something about our stories that really resonate or would resonate with others. Is there a mechanism in place that we could share our stories? Do we have a mechanism in place? Right. In other words, how, what is a pathway to creating our own stories? Because we have to resonate with our own stories before we can really bring it out there. Yeah. And I also think that before people can bring out their stories, they have to do a lot of work in healing too, because right. that, that it, it, it doesn't work otherwise. I, you know, it's so funny when you talk about our own stories, because sometimes I feel like I've lived a million lifetimes in my one, in my 50 years. Like I look back and sometimes memories feel like a lifetime ago. And I'm certainly not the same person I am at 50 that I was at 15 or that I was at 20 or even 30. And I think that's good. I think evolving is, is wonderful. But I think we can share our stories in many ways. It's it's how we're comfortable with sharing our stories. Mm. And people use all different ways to share stories, whether it's through artistic means or it's getting together with your girlfriends once a week or joining women's groups. Or I'll tell you one thing that really helped me in my 30s. My And this is kind of a funny Thing and I had no idea. But when I was in my 30s and my kids were really little, I joined this group at church and it was on Tuesday mornings and I was the youngest person there. And it was a large, very large group. And most of the people at the time were definitely 50s and up. So 50s, 60s, 70s. And they had a lifetime of wisdom. And I would sit there and it would be about an hour, hour and a half. Sometimes we'd share a meal or coffee and we would read scripture and, and I would listen to them talk about life. They had been through death. They had been through love, loss, children, grandchildren, moving, job loss, and listening to their wisdom for me, listening to their stories. Yeah 
it was so different from mine at the time. I was home with these little kids. I was exhausted. I was lucky to get a shower and I wanted to sleep. And, and then these people, and they were men and women in front of me and listening to their wisdom really did my soul good because yeah. it, it made me understand the stages of life and, and what full circle is and what comes. And I, I think in sharing our stories, sometimes is, is the self-critique that we all have about our lives and experiences, right? That we're always looking for a better way of things being, which is fine, but we also have to come to terms with what is, right? And embrace it. So yes, I did certain things in my 20s. For example, I forgot my 24th birthday totally. And I can tell you what was going on at that time because I had, you know, mapped out my life in such a way that, you know, I thought by a certain age, I should have certain things in place. And so by 24, you know, and I wasn't seeing those things in place. I thought, oh my God, my life is ending. And so I don't know what happened at that age, but I was 23 or, you know, whatever. And then I jumped to 25. I don't know what, you know, I just, but now listen, you know, revisiting that part of my life really creates, you know, okay, this was what was going on and I have to really embrace it and, and say, okay, it was fine. It was how I knew to manage it without blocking it out. Like it didn't exist. It did exist, you know? Yeah, so You were more ready to, to relook at it. Too. Right. Right. And being enchanted with it now, in fact, it makes me laugh a lot because considering all the challenges I've been through since then, I recognize that that was nothing at all that I thought was huge at that time. So as we are getting to the end of this conversation, I'll ask you, what with your three girls, my girl, what advice would you give to young girls? Oh, I, be true. Be true to who they are love who they are, no matter what that means, whatever their uniqueness is, be accepting of themselves. Mm -hmm. The world is hard and it's hard enough on us. So to start with themselves by loving them themselves and being true to who they are and to not be afraid, just go out, go out and try anything and everything. It just, there's so, so many things going so on, many, right? Yes. You know, when I was growing up, there were limited things, you know, we, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there were places you could go and openings here, there, and now, you know, there's social media that is compounded our experiences as well. And I think the pressures of being a certain way or looking a certain way or it's incredible. It's incredible. And I don't know how they're doing it, but as we've talked about those with young girls out there, I would suggest there are so many ways of really paying close attention to our daughters oh. and giving them the necessary tools to overcome uh, some of the things that they might face down the road. Well, unfortunately with social media, it's, it really is an issue. And that's, that's why they, they have to learn to love them themselves and the uniqueness right. of themselves because, you know, they, they really need to be kind to themselves and to not compete with each other. The, the young females need to be taught to really 
support and love each other. And I feel like women through ever, we have been taught to compete with each other and not love each other and not yeah. support. Or, so, or fight with each other. Right. You know, and the more we yeah. fight, the more we are off our game. Yes, yes. Oh, what a powerful group we are when we unite. Right. I think so. Um, and, and yeah. you know, we can move mountains if, if yes. we put our minds to it. And yes. so it is time, I think, in, within what is happening in our world right now, that we should all look at our, uh, the things that make us feel powerful. And powerful not meaning power over, you know, but really the things that resonate deeply within us that we can bring about, you know, impacting as you said, one person at a time, and then see right. how we, you know, support one another and and embrace each other. You know, it doesn't matter who looks what way or that, you know, and really celebrate each other, you know, to get us to where we need to be. Because there's a still a male domination in our world. And oh yes, very big male domination. And and women have been manipulated by uh, today you know, they think that they have freedoms and it's just a reframe of really what's going on, but it's still male domination. Right. And we can, we can go down a list, you know, we can go down a list. Um, so and I'm, not bashing, I'm not bashing males. I love males. I'm not bashing them. And no, we're not. We, we it's, just, it's about the women, it's women's embracing their own power. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing about, you know, I think we need to be in partnership with men, right? Absolutely. The, that is the framework, but not being dominated to the point where we lose our own selves in the process or lose our voices. You know, there are things that we know that we don't like, but we go along because it is what is framed as power, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we should shift from that. Yes, we should. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a process. Each generation, you know, right. we hope to get a little bit better. And there are men out there that really understand women. So we should also look out for them for support. And, and yeah, you know, this is a, it's supposed to be a partnership and partnership in its true sense and form. Absolutely. We need, to, we need each other. We do, we do. And, and the other thing is we need to respect the gifts that each one of us brings because there is the gift of being male and there is the gift of being female. Right. And they're very different gifts. And each, each one of us had both parts within us, right? Right, right. And bringing balance to it. Right, right. And there are, and there are definitely different gifts that we each bring and, and loving those gifts that we mm -hmm. each have. To complement each other, right? To complement you know, each right, other. Right. So we know what it is. And I think if we find ourselves in places where we can't open our mouths or voices to really express what it is that we feel, then we should start looking at ways of changing that without causing conflict. Right. right. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> cause a little ruckus every now well the ruckus the ruckus though the, the, i mean i i would frame myself as someone who really causes a lot of it in many forms i don't particularly find myself 
enjoying life very much when things are just entrenched in the same thing, you know, status quo. This, this is how we've always done it. Well, I'm proposing a new way of doing it, a new way of looking at life, a new way of thinking, a new way of embracing yourself, right? Well, you certainly have the skills to teach people how to do that. And you have a lot of wisdom with that. So thank you. I appreciate people it. People need to come to you for that because it's very important. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't cause conflict intentional. I mean, I don't. Not in, not in my intention. I, I think I prefer to use love as a base to really make changes. And if you are in that vibration, you can change anything. And, and it's quiet and it's confident and it's, you know, powerful. So that's, that's where I come from. It, it threatens true. people, but I don't know. I can't help that. Uh, <laughs> it's so. the strong, violent power of it. Yeah. Right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. So how would you define, think of a woman of power and grace? Who is a woman of power and grace? I have a few that come to my mind when you ask that. I think there's, it's about love and humility and gratefulness with life, knowing the blessings that we have and using them for the good of, of all. So if you're asking me a definition like that, and then I think of women like Mother Teresa, I mean, the the grace that she had and showed the poorest of the poor. And, and she didn't, didn't just talk about it. Like she lived it. And then, and then I know of women in my own family that have had amazing grace that maybe weren't given, you know, that had a difficult life, but their kindness and their love to others was still there. That, that kindness and that love and that, that giving. And I, I think it's, it's an important part. Grace is so important and it's not always easy to attain. But, you, you know, it comes to us freely. Thank you for yeah. that. And it comes to us freely and everyone has access to it. Yes. And so for me, I think understanding grace really puts us in that framework of living and expressing it, as you said, with humility. With humility. With humility. And not just living but living. Yes. So when it's grace, you're really living. Living, right? Living. Yes. 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 Thank you, Sally, for this conversation. And it's been wonderful. I knew it would be wonderful. And I was thinking, I was looking at my, you gave me a pillow, a gift of a, <laughs> a very cute pillow with a, a stitched message on it. Do you remember what it said? Not. Not the one we, as for me in my house, we would know. Yeah. As for me in my house. You gave me the one with God, all things are possible, right? With God, all things are possible. possible. And so that's the message I want to give to the world today. All our listeners that with God, all things possible. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Love you, Mensma. Love you. Bye.